All right, we've got three games to talk about. Um, and starting, I don't know, in the beginning of the game last night, I went over to Detroit. I thought we were going to have a very angry podcast. Um, <laughs> the last couple of days was a literal roller coaster from the ascent of beating a tough Sharks team, even though they were one and five. They, they're still a big team and they were playing well down to the absolute basement of getting destroyed by the Capitals um, and giving up an early goal against the Red Wings. But they turned things around and we'll talk about that. Um, Ricky, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you today? Oh, I'm very good. And uh, let's introduce our guest. We have Josh Reinitz, who I think I, I feel safe saying is actually probably our most loyal listener. <laughs> um, get messages from him after every episode telling me, giving me feedback, notes, and I love it. I wish more people would do that. Um, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Anytime. Now, I, I notice uh, just looking at your your profile that you're you're an attorney um so i have two questions for you Um, (laughs) number one is this billable time absolutely not okay number two do you have that thing on your desk that that's those metal balls that go back and forth i I don't think a man should talk about his balls but uh i do not have balls on my desk no i have a gavel okay well that's cool um but you you should get those (laughs) i always equate those with like a lawyer's desk (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I have I have the uh, token uh, nameplate with ESQ at the end that somebody gave me when I graduated law school, and I have a uh, gavel. That's pretty much my judicial and uh, legal paraphernalia that I have here. I wish I had a gavel because I one of the, one of my many pet peeves is I hate being uh, interrupted, and um, and Ricky does that to me a lot. And I would like to be able to just slam a gavel when he. Uh, when anybody interrupts me, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, I don't know, Ricky. Uh, what are your thoughts after last night's game? Let's talk about that since it was it's so oh, we're fresh. Gonna go in, we're going to go in reverse, okay? Yeah. Uh, no, I the first you know when they scored last night, I was like, oh, Jesus! I'm like, I- I'm just going to turn this off. I-, I can't. I cannot sit through another Washington game. I can't do it. And. They just, that first five minutes, they play like shit, and then they just took the game over again, like they did against the Sharks and like they did yeah, against the Islanders. Yeah. I know how you uh, feel because I already fired off two tweets about firing the coach after they went down one nothing, and I felt like I literally, for that. as soon as, soon as the puck went in, I was like, all right, you guys enjoy watching the game tonight. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, it, lo- it looked like one of those nights. Um, but uh, now I'm assuming, Josh, you watched the game last night. What were you thinking as soon as that Larkin goal went in? So I had a I had a meeting at 7:30 last night so I was like you know what I'll watch the first couple minutes everything will be great and then like as soon as Larkin scored I had to leave so I was not optimistic heading into my meeting and then my uh, my 11-year-old just started texting me like every 5 minutes we scored we scored again we scored again so I'm like trying to sneak the uh the MSG Go feed on my phone while I'm sitting in the meeting um <laughs> And then I tried to stay up last night to watch the replay, but, you know, MSG was nice enough to uh, start it half an hour late, which was great. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where this team, you just, you just don't know what you're going to get. And they, they, you know, they delivered, which in, in the most unlikely of circumstances, they actually deliver. Yeah, think, well. Not to cut you off so I get the gavel, but uh, <laughs> I, th- I think, it really, you know, we all joke about it, like, you know, oh, we're just a goaltender away, we're a goaltender away. 
But like, think of the games we've won this year and the games we've lost. The games we've won and the games we've lost. I, I, Washington game not included. We've offensively we've done a lot of good things, and we've gotten shit goaltending in the games we've lost. It's just a fact. The games that we've won, Blackwood and or Vanacek came up with that one or two big saves that we needed, and then the offense just took over the game from there. But the games we don't get that, it's just that we get routed. Well, not, so not to disagree with you, you know, just because I think it's highly debatable. Um, I just saw a lot of people trash-talking Blackwood after the Washington game and, and last night when things were going well, when Vanacek was playing well, and I just... I have such a hard time pinning these things on the goalie because, I mean, Blackwood played three excellent games in a row, and the well, games that two, he lost two and two, and two quarters, well, two and the two game, thirds of the game, <laughs> the games that he lost, the Philly game, the team looked like garbage. They didn't come to play. They got completely physically taken advantage of, and the Washington game, again, the team didn't come to play. Hughes played like crap, uh, and we're going to go over this game. Brat didn't play well until the end of the third period. Um, the coach is not making anything easier. The power play is not converting. Um, so I just have such a hard time blaming these things on Blackwood. And after having... Well, it's not f- just him, yeah. Yeah, but like I saw people last night saying Vanacek should start. And then after the Washington game, Blackwood's done. And after having essentially three wins, three very good games, um, I don't know. I, I just think people are quick to blame the goaltending. And it kind of bothers me a little bit. But Well, it's part of like PTSD, right? Like we're so used to this like i swear to god i swear on my kid's life that the i sw- i typed it up and i almost hit send in the first period against uh washington i typed up i literally forgot what it feels like to not expect every single puck shot on net to go into the net cuz blackwood played well in the first and i'm like you know what i'm not going to tweet that cuz it's going to come back and bite me and i thank god i didn't <laughs> because man that was like every shot. I felt like every shot was going in after that. Well, yeah, I, all right. I wrote about the game, and, and and to me, you know, looking back at it, um, it, it was it was two two goals um, within a minute each in the in the second period. And, yeah, twice. and I think you know if you think back to last year, one of the huge problems last year was they couldn't get a stop when they needed one. Um, and I, I think I think people try to divide up the team too much. I think you have to play complementary hockey. You, you know, your offense feeds your goalie. Your goalie feeds your offense. And you know, when when they're playing well, when they're scoring on special teams, it gives the goalie confidence. And when the goalie's making saves, it gives them confidence. I think it's all interconnected. And I think it's hard to blame Blackwood for X and and you know Hughes for Y when when in reality. You know, they need each other. There's going to be games where they're going to need the goalie to bail them out, and there's going to be games where they need to bail out the goalie. It's just, you know, we all, you know, in this uh, hyper social media, um, you know, instant gratification society, we need immediate answers, and sometimes there just aren't any. Yeah, social media kind of does that. And, and that actually, you know, I can blame myself for that. Like last night, they go down one nothing. And I'm tweeting, you know, rough's got to go. The team's not ready to play. And, you know, then they win 6-2 and I feel completely differently. So, you know, social media gives people the ability to make a snap judgment and immediate hot takes and stuff. And, you know, a lot of the times that those things are proven wrong within five minutes. But, um, you know, it's a team sport and it's easy to blame everything on goaltending. But 
you know, in, in the Washington game, you, the best players weren't the best players. The, the Palat Hughes Brat line, which was amazing two games before that, didn't play well. Hughes didn't play well. You need your star players to need your star to be your star players. So, um, if the Devils lost five to four or something against the Caps, and like Blackwood gave up two goals in the third period to lose the game that were easily stoppable, that's the only situation where you could say, well, that's the goalie's fault. But when it's in tandem with your best players not coming to play and the team just overall being a step behind, you have to give Blackwood a break, especially when he just had uh, three wins in a row. Yeah, and just to, like to go back to what Josh said too, it's 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 a good point because at some point, and I've talked about this forever. Like we haven't had leadership on this team, real leadership in a long time. And do you think, like, do you remember back in the day, like Brodor would would stand on his head, and sometimes he would give up soft goals. Do you ever remember them turning into two, three, four, five goals? Scott Stevens wouldn't stand for that. Ken Danico wouldn't stand for that. Scott Niedermeyer wouldn't stand for that crap. This team, some they just wilt, and so at some point they have to learn how to win, and they have to learn to kind of compensate for those mistakes if they happen. And like Josh said, pick your goalie up, and they don't do that nearly enough. You're right, but you sort of just answered your own question. You said Niedermeyer, Stevens, Danik, so that also doesn't exist anymore. Um, well, I think our defense is definitely way better than it's been. I mean, obviously we oh, don't yeah. have those guys, but like. We need leadership. Like we need someone that's going to be like, "All right, guys, that's it. We're not letting any more goals in. Cut the shit." And yeah, I, just don't I don't think know. We have that. I don't know that that hockey exists anymore. Because back, you know, in the '90s and 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 the early 2000s, it was such a rough and tumble, getting through the neutral zone kind of game, and with scoring up, I think you're going to see more goals. And and the one thing the Devils will benefit from is is having more goals because they should be able to score more. The one thing that I think people also overlook is I think Brendan Smith has added a lot of that type of leadership, even though his numbers aren't great per se. And I think that's why they keep him in the lineup. And if you're in the building and can't get a chance to watch him, he's always talking to people. Um, and I think he's providing a lot of that. And I think Nico doesn't get the credit for, for as good a leader as he is because no matter what happens, Nico's always there at his locker to answer whatever questions and and for a guy as young as he is, I think I think that speaks well of his uh, leadership. And then the hope is, I guess, Palat and Marino and some of those guys kind of blend that in. And then you know you you get what you what you need. Well, we've had this conversation in the past. I mean, Nico is named captain for a reason, and just because we don't see him flailing his arms and yelling at people on the bench doesn't mean that in the locker room he's not saying anything. You know, so. Um, I, you know, I don't want to make a snap judgment on his ability as a leader, but I do agree with what Ricky is saying. In the past couple of years, we haven't had the leadership because the team has, has been overall just a bunch of kids. And, um, you know, with very little playoff experience. And when you bring in Palat, Halla, you know, you bring in guys who have been in the playoffs several times, who have won things. And, you know, that goes a long way. Um, but, and you bring up a good point with Smith now going into the season and the first couple games, and especially this recent stretch with 11 forward, seven defensemen, it's seemed to me like Ruff is having a hard time, uh, sitting either ball or Smith, but I'm also starting to think that that might not even be the competition anymore that Ryan Graves has come become kind of expendable and ball might be taking his job instead of Brendan Smith's. 
That's what I keep saying. Everyone says Severson's the guy that should go if they if they're going to trade somebody. I think Graves is is just because they play the same sort of game. I think Smith is probably um, Graves is probably the more likely candidate to get traded just because they him and Ball are very similar players. I don't think you're going to lose a lot. Graves yeah. played played out of his mind last night. Last night was probably the best game he's played as a Devil. Um, and I think if you, you're going to start to see Graves jump into the play a little bit more especially with uh, Marino with him. I think it, it balances each other out uh, fairly well. But there's no doubt that if they need something at the deadline or if they're, you know, non-competitive by that point, you know, Severson and Graves are great guys to be able to trade to get something back. Sure, for sure. And Severson will probably get a decent... Well, it's tough because if, if they're going to go at the deadline, they're probably going to go to contenders. So I would imagine the return package would be more along the lines of a prospect uh, picks. You know, a, a team's not going to trade a good roster player at the deadline when they're going for it. So I'm a little hesitant to get excited about what their returns could be. Um, it, it, the Severson situation is very strange to me. Now, Graves, I assume, is gone because Ball's going to come in. Ahoytuk's going to uh, challenge for a spot. Luke Hughes is going to be in camp next uh, next preseason. So his spot is pretty much gone. The Severson thing is very interesting to me because we talk about this every week. Hamilton signed up long-term. Marino's now our best defenseman, and he signed long-term. And Nemitz is going to be banging down the door. So where exactly does Severson fit in this back six? And, you know, I, I like the guy, and I'd like him to stay, but I, I kind of feel like the Marino trade uh, signaled the end of Severson in New Jersey. Severson's there until Nemitz is ready. If you believe well, Nemitz is what they think he is. But to answer that, he's going to want a deal. So you can't sign him to a long-term deal and say that Nemitz isn't going to be ready for five-plus years. Um, he's obviously well, not going to take a one-year deal. Uh, other teams are going to be throwing $6 million plus a year at him. What were you going to say, Ricky? I think Friedman uh, talked about it on 32 Thoughts, that he yeah. term is going to be the issue with him. He yep. wants a longer-term deal, and they don't want to give it to him. I don't yeah. see him back next year. I, to me, if if Nemitz is ready sooner than you think, he may push Severson out this year. Uh, but barring that, I don't see how you would expect Nemitz not to be ready next year, especially if you have the ability to play him as, on the, as a third pair. I mean, if you yeah. you, you know you're you're gonna have Marino and, and Dougie ahead of him, so he can come in, not have real high expectations, and learn as a third pair defenseman. And you still have Siegenthaler and um, and Ball and and Marino when you need to shut people down and Smith. So I think it's it's a great opportunity for for uh, Nemitz at that time. I just don't see where and and money wise. I mean, you're gonna have to pay so many guys in the next couple of years. Do you want to put that kind of money towards Severson as a luxury when you don't need him? Well, it's going to be interesting. I, I think we should pay special attention to how Nemitz plays in Utica because if he comes out flying as their best defenseman, I honestly would not be surprised if they don't wait till the trade deadline to try to get the best package they can for Severson. Um, whether they let him talk to other teams uh, to work out an extension um, I think that might be the thing to watch because I think if you wait till the deadline, you're just looking at picks prospects from a contender and the picks going to be a late first rounder and picks prospects is something that we shouldn't be interested in anymore. Like I think right. if anything, we probably need 
like either a very good third line player or like a top six right wing at this point. Well, I think it's part of like Beck, maybe it was Lou, I think it was back then, where it was like when the team, you know, Lou didn't do a ton at the deadline and make a lot of trades, but when the team was playing well, he it was always kind of like he wanted to reward the team for playing well and like kind of add those extra pieces to really give them the chance to make a run. And I hope that's kind of where we're at now. I think we're I think everyone realizes we're at the point where one or two players can mean a world of difference on this team, especially up front. Um and you know, even adding if we were to somehow add a, a scoring right wing to put with Hughes, I mean forget it. I mean the the way the offense is rolling right now, if you add a guy who can really like a real finisher, I mean this team could really be good. Yeah, uh, and you don't like need we, picks. You don't need prospects. You're no, yeah, nope. we're so, way I mean, over that. You can really look at, send out your pro scouts, and find somebody, find the right guy that fits. Um, While you guys were talking, I was looking at our season, the the games we played so far this season, because we were talking about, um, you know, Josh had mentioned it's not really that kind of NHL anymore with the, you know, holding on to leads and that sort of stuff, and I, you know. I'm just going to read you our shot totals and how many totals we've get, get shots we've given up per game this season. We've given up 25 shots once this season, and that was against Philly. 22 against Detroit, 20 against Anaheim, 17 against Sounders, 22 against San Jose, 22 Washington, 22 Detroit. Yeah, we, I mean, and we this... have 37, 39, 41, 43, 36, 41, 41. So we're we're getting shots on goal and we're suppressing shots. The problem is against Detroit, Philly, Washington, a lot of those 22, 25 shots went in the net. So, you know, I mean, yeah, and that's why the goalie. You take Washington, for example. I mean, Brat should have gotten an assist on the Sherry goal. I mean, he literally went tape to tape yeah. to Sherry, and Sherry right. walked in and 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 converted. I mean, and right. not and only not did blaming... he convert, not only did he convert, that was an like a laser. So yeah. you, you'd have you to take a goalie on that. Yeah. 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 So you'd have to take a deep dive into each of these goals. And obviously I'm not just defending Blackwood to the point where I'm saying like all, none of this was his fault. There are definitely several goals in those three games we're talking about um, or two for him, uh, Philly and, and Washington that, that he would want back. But yeah, the Hathaway goal was bad. That was a, that was not a good goal. You should never let Garnet Hathaway score on you, no matter what, what I mean. the situation. Especially, yeah. especially a weak wrist shot. That I mean, that was a bad one. Yeah, but you um, know, yeah, I mean, there's, serious there's, goal. What are you going to do about that? There's probably five shots at least, a one shot a game that Jack would want to have back too. How many breakaways has Jack had so far this year that he hasn't converted on? I think he's like one for seven or something. Yeah, so I mean, Jack yeah. hits two more of those. All of a sudden, the pressure's off Blackwood. Maybe he plays differently. Well, this team has the potential. We've talked about this where like eight or nine guys uh, in the top 12 forwards could score at least 20 goals. Um, And those shots, I mean, you just got they just have to convert on the chances, especially on the power play. I mean, this team sometimes looks like they could score six or seven goals a game. Um, And we know that's that's not going to happen. But um, I mean, offense like we saw against the Islanders and last night kind of is very exciting to watch. I mean, those, they just came in waves in those both of those games. They just, like, every line that got on the ice was just caving these dudes in every shift. Yep. It was crazy to watch. Yeah. Uh, going back to the Capitals, Garrett had tweeted this out the other night, and, uh, you know, it's a crazy stat to me. 
I, I sent it to Andrew at the time. <laughs> we the, in the last since 2014, the Devils are nine twenty six and five against the Capitals. They absolutely own us. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. Everybody has that team, right? I mean, you think back to baseball. I mean, they were they have for a while the Yankees couldn't beat the Blue Jays if the Blue Jays put you know their minor league team out there. It didn't matter. It's just a uniform. Well, the Devils the Devils owned the Rangers for like part of the nineties. What was it like eighteen or twenty games in a row or something like that without a loss? Yeah, I and, I, and I went to the game. They finally lost. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was there too, actually. Washington is big, heavy, and fast, and they don't make mistakes. And But if you watch that first period, the Devils played their game and should have had a lead. It should have had a, a one or you know a couple-goal lead. I mean, they were buzzing that first period on the forecheck. And when they do that, they can play with anyone. Then they you know fell back on their heels and made mistakes. They cost them goals. Yeah, um, and part of the thing, I mean, part of this whole thing, you know, whether you want to talk about what's the goalie's fault, what's not the goalie's fault, is also this team has to get the this attitude where if a bad goal does go in, they don't act like a folding chair, and they did well, that. That's what, I, yeah, that's what I mean with leadership. That's what I was talking about. Sometimes you got to pick your goalie up. Yeah, yeah, of course. You you have to pick your goalie up. And like if Blackwood lets in a bad goal, then go control the play and go get it back. Like, but a lot of times, especially last year and in at least two games this year, once a goal or two goes in, the team kind of just folds. I mean, they're not yeah, well, they're not doing it as bad this year with you know, and you're seeing that with the shots on goal and the on the high danger chances and all of those crazy stats that I'm never gonna understand that they lead the league in. Um Stuff that starts with a lowercase X and has lots of uh, uppercase <laughs> letters after. XGF, I went to law school. Yeah. Math is not my friend. The statistics stuff scares me. Uh, well, I mean, the, the whole advanced stat thing that you know, it was sort of proven to me against the against Washington after they lost six to three, and they pretty much got flattened. Somebody posted the deserve to winometer, meter, right. which was like eighty five percent to the Devils, yeah. and I'm like. And they got their ass kicked, so those stats mean nothing. <laughs> Zero, less than nothing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it's like the the uh, winometer they had in past elections that turned out to not be uh, very uh, prescient. So I mean, it's you, you know the, you can pick and choose whatever you want. Um, when you look at expected goals, there's a really good article on NHL.com because I was trying to figure out exactly how they come up with expected goals. And um, the, there's a woman, uh, what's her name, uh, Allison Lucan, who who covers the Kraken, and she tried to sort of explain it. And the thing I thought was interesting is she said you you shouldn't call them expected goals, you should call them shot quality. And and I think it makes more sense when you look at it that way. That if you're high in expected goals, it just means you're getting good shots. Um, it doesn't. There's no way to quantify it. You know, if your XG is, you know, 1.8, you should definitely score two goals. It just means you had enough shots in an area that, you you know, you had the quality where you could have gotten two goals. And I think we rely way too much on these advanced stats um, for judging people and a lot less on our eyes um, when our eyes tell us a lot more um, than some of these stats do. Yeah, I've always been a proponent of, of the eye test over advanced stats. and. You know, the stats are nice and everything when they support the point you're trying to make. But, right. you know, when a team gets caved in like they did against the Caps and you want to start saying, well, their underlying numbers were good. Well, it's like, well, what, what does that matter? 
Um, so let's do a quick uh, gloss over of all of the oh, games. One second. I was trying to find CJ had a tweet the other day. I know Devils fans aren't huge fans of his, uh, but um, he he broke it down, and it was a really, really good tweet, and I cannot find it now. I'm just literally scrolling through his freaking tweets now. Uh, let me, should should God, we wait it, for that? No, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I was at the game. They played the Sharks. They beat them 2-1. to one. I thought they played well. Um, team defense was a big deal there because the Sharks – were completely in control in the second half of the third period. And it was very impressive to watch the Devils hold on. Blackwood played well. The defense played well. And, you know, as much as you like to say they could have played better, scored more goals, it's important to see a victory like that because, you know, the Sharks were coming off of beating the Rangers as their first game of the year. They played well. They were they were up for that game. And the devil shut them down. And it's nice to see that they are not going to have to score four, five, and six goals just to win, that they can win these closer games. Yeah, and they, and they, they, they closed out a game that they had a lead in. And it was a little scary at the end, but they, they were able to close out a game, which is something they couldn't do last year. Um, and I think yeah, it's definitely good. Yeah, it's definitely good to see that. Yeah, they're burying the narrative that this year's team is this is the same as last year's team. Um, and I, I think though I had last year, I forget who the analyst was, but they said that I think a lot of teams break the season down to five game segments, and you look to get six points per five game segment. And if you can stay on that track all year, you end up with I think ninety six points ish. Um, and you're in you're in contention at that point. And so the Devils had their ups and downs over the first five, but they got their six points. And I think that's a good way to look at it. And, and, and from a balanced perspective, um, you know, I was shocked that they got two on the island. I think they would have been happy with one. Um, but to come out with those three games with six, it's it's impressive. Um, and the next week and a half is going to be tough. So, you know, you got to bank them when you can yeah, for sure. Oh, for that, sure. Yeah, that game against the Islanders is one of those games where I didn't expect much. And if they lost, I wouldn't have been surprised. But yeah, that was probably their best performance of the season. And what they just did last night was also away. Um, you know, so it's nice to see the team going into another team's building and controlling the game like that. I think yeah. it's entirely possible that the Islanders really suck. Like well, I've been I, saying that since last year. I don't think they're a good I know, team at but all. Like last year, last year it was like, oh, there was injuries, and they started the season on a thirteen-game road trip, and this and that. But I, I think they're really just not good. Well, I feel like the Islanders get a lot of cachet because of Lou, and what we realize as Devils fans that maybe the rest of the league doesn't have a grasp of yet is. Lou, after the third cup and then a couple of years after, where they were still good playoff teams, Lou completely lost all of his magic as a GM. He failed to acclimate to the new, faster, younger NHL. He left us with no cap space, bad contracts, no prospects, no picks. He went to Toronto, didn't do anything there, went to the Islanders, and is now doing the exact same thing there. They might be the oldest team in the league. Um, You know, the prospects, picks none and what are they doing uh like their window might be closed already and, and they so did go I, to two final fours right back to back years yeah and i think that was their shot and think, yeah the window may have closed 
Yeah, yeah. And then he's going to leave there like he did with the Devils, and they're going to have nothing to go on, no system, no, no cap space, no picks. Um, I mean, they probably could have gotten Johnny Gaudreau had they actually had the cap space to bid for him. I don't. I think they probably had a better shot at Kadri. I don't think Gaudreau was going there. I think Gaudreau was going to Columbus no matter what. Yeah, I, I just he sat there and waited for another team to call. That's how badly he didn't want to come here. But I don't think it, I don't think that's a Devils thing. I really don't. I think I think he liked there. I think they offered him enough money. And you know, some people don't want to play at home. You know, I, I no, no, no. I'm actually glad we found all that out because it's so easy to to just say uh, that a guy like nobody wants to play in New Jersey or the Devils failed signing a big name free agent. And by all oh, accounts, don't worry, they're still saying it. Yeah, well, our fans are the worst, <laughs> but by all accounts, they put hey, the that's money not on. True. The, you guys are the best. We love you. By all accounts, they put the most money, or not the most, but a great deal on the table, a lot of money, and probably thought that they had him signed. Um, so it's not like they didn't try. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm glad that it was that obvious that he didn't want to come here. But he's having a good start in Columbus. He's got five goals, three assists in eight games. I mean, I mean he's no Jesper Bratt, but he's doing well over there. And Columbus stinks, too, and they're going to continue to stink. That should be an interesting um, game Sunday. Yeah, so a couple of guys I want to, like, point out that i feel like have started really well obviously brat i mean he's literally yeah i went to nhl.com and he's leading the league in points right now which is which is crazy um that contract's gonna be uh, a monster but uh nico picked up right where he left off last year which we were all hoping for he was playing great at the end of the season last year picked up right where he left off seven points in six games he's 62 percent in the faceoff dot which is a great improvement over what it's been in the past years. I mean, you know, he started out at 42%, then 45, 51, 56. Now we're at 62. So, I mean, every year he's getting a little bit better, which is great because you want your your number one guy to be on be in the face-off circle. You don't want to have to have Michael McLeod taking face-offs and getting off the ice. Um, so that he's been great. I mean, he scored again last night. Um, I mean, and the big one is John Marino. I mean, the guy looks like I don't know what the hell Pittsburgh was thinking, but the guy looks unbelievable. Like he literally makes every decision he makes is the correct decision on the ice. Yeah, we've got a, we'll have to watch him over time. I just saw a couple Penguins fans on Twitter and on um, a couple message boards saying that he did have stretches where he looked really good, but but then he would disappear for a while. And um, so what you ask of them, right? So, I mean, were exactly. they, yeah. you know, were they wanted something different than what the devils want, but, but the other they hand, they wanted I mean, offense. Yeah. Right. I mean, but the other hand, they were strapped and that may have been as much a cap move as anything else. Oh, I well, think so. Maybe. Especially when they, thanks. yeah. When they re-signed Malkin, Latang and, and, you know, they gave out a bunch of contracts and, and stuff. I, I just remember when Hextall took over the team with Burke you know, they had said that they were going to give the team one more shot to see if they could contend. And if not, they were going to have to explore a rebuild. But they seem to be doubling down on, on not rebuilding for at least the foreseeable future. I mean, um, but you know what? They're good again. I don't understand how this team can They're just always good. I don't, yeah, I don't reload. It. It's so annoying. 
Uh, it's so annoying. <laughs> haven't had their, you know, Sid's out for a month, Malkin's out for six weeks hit yet. Even Malkin was out for like uh, two months, three months, they still win. I don't understand. Yeah. At a certain point, an older team has trouble. They're usually best in the beginning of the year. I think as the year goes on, they may they may experience well, some issues. Well, that's what we're waiting for with the Capitals, too. They're the kind of team that's always going to be good as long as Backstrom uh, comes back. But as long as they have Backstrom and Carlson and Ovechkin and Oshie and Kuznetsov, like as long as they have that core, they're always going to be good. Um, and the Penguins and the Capitals are the teams that everybody's waiting for their window to close, but they're they're not going away yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm it, curious, it, as long I'm as people leave, uh, leave uh, Ovechkin open at the dot, I can't believe how well, he's open at the dot every game. He scores against the Devils literally every time he plays it. I don't care what any stats say. I feel like he scores every single time he plays the Devils. It's like somebody put up a stat him and at the three point line. You know, even at yeah. the end of his career, he's going to pump him in. Yeah, somebody put up a stat where I think it was Ovechkin, but also Carlson are just absolutely deadly against the Devils. Um, yep. But you know, I, I if, thought last night, if we're going back to hockey here, you know, the game last night, I, I think was say, we're not uh, talking about hockey. <laughs> no, going back to last night, um, Zetterland, I think, had a really, really good game last night, too, uh, which means he'll probably be scratched next game because, you know, we know how rough feels about Sweden. Um, but I, I think I think he had a really good game, like really like every he was noticeable every time he was on the ice. Um, yeah, Holtz is probably going to be sent on like a on a tricycle back to Sweden after the couple of mistakes he made last night. Man, he's got such a short leash and I just shortest. <laughs> yeah, he, I can't. I can't imagine he's probably playing, thinking every time he hops on the ice, like I can't make one mistake or I'm done. You know, like I, I will say, after they gave up that goal where he was standing in the slot and the guy scored right behind him, he did get some shifts after that. That's and I specifically yes. looked to see if he was going to get benched after that, um, and he didn't. He actually played after that, so that yeah, was he was also thrown out there at the end of the game too, which was nice to see. So depends on Palat because what. Lindy, I guess we're not going to get an update until tomorrow. But uh, yeah, what Lindy said, what yeah, what Lindy said in the press conference last night kind of uh, made me a little nervous because um, they asked uh, about Pilot's status, and all he said was, "We'll have an update Thursday. He's out." And I'm like, "Oh, really? Does that mean like he's out, out, or you know?" Because it, for rough to say he's out when they don't have a game until Friday, that kind of makes me think that there might be something serious going on with them. And I really hope. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Uh, who knows? It's, it's the devils. You know, they also said that Nico had a, you know, cramps and he was out like three weeks. So maybe it's better that they're saying it might be serious and he's back in a couple days. I don't, yeah. The Nico thing is weird, but I, I think, you know, anyone's had hamstring injuries, it can feel like a cramp at first and it's preseason. So I don't think they were going to push him anyway, though. I guess he did miss the opening night game. Which is fine because he just would have gotten beaten up physically against the Flyers when he's not 100% healthy. And, right. you know, it's not like having him in there was going to win us that game. They had no chance. But um, they could have had, had fucking Wayne Gretzky in that game. It would have made a difference. <laughs> but at, well, what we got point, real... at what point are you willing to cut ties with, with Holtz? Or do you not? Um, It depends on the team. Like, are they going to use him or not? It depends like, on everyone it, else. Like, just. I mean, I tweeted it in jest last night, but if they're really interested in in making a trade, if you're not going to play them, trade them. Well, I mean, here's you the thing. You can use them as, as a piece to get somebody else. Here's the thing. If Mercer's going to keep scoring. and he looks Pol- great, by the way. Yeah, and Pilat, Heesher, Brat are going to stay as a line. 
I mean, what chance does Holtz have to come up and play in the bottom six and prove that that he belongs? Um, you know, I, I don't want to say there's no room for the guy because I'm still not convinced on Dawson Mercer being a top six right wing. I, I wish he would play center on the third line, but um, I don't know. I, I just don't see how Holtz is going to get the opportunity to actually show that he sticks, especially when he does get to play. He's on, like we have said, the shortest leash ever. Um, they need to put him on the second power play unit, and they need to put Sharon Govich on the other side of that second power play. Oh my unit. God! Yes, you got That's two shooters. You got a shooter on either side. Yeah, you got a shooter on either side. I mean, that is a good. I don't know what Tatar has. I'm so sick of looking at him. I know you told me we had a, he had a good preseason. You told me to calm down. I can't. I just can't. The yeah, only well. time he scores is when they're when they're down four or five goals. Yeah, that's true. And Halla had a time he scores. Good, well, at least you know Halla had a good preseason. At least he's doing other things well. He's he's amazing in the yeah. faceoff dot, and you know he's playing a little bit of physical game. Tatar, when he's not scoring, does nothing. But Useless. yeah, and now you said it took a half hour for Igor's name to come up. Uh, he's obviously one of my favorite players. I'm a big fan of his, and I I don't understand the lack of him on the second power play unit, which is light on talent. And unless because they like him so much as a penalty killer, like he's playing uh, every other shift on the penalty kill and scored that great no-look snipe shorthanded goal, unless they're saving him for that, I can't understand not wanting his shot on the power play. I I don't get it either. I I said last night on Twitter to someone that Igors don't grow on trees. I mean, he's everyone complains the Devils are, are small, they're... They're not tough. I mean, the guy's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's 24. He's going to score 30 goals. He can play on both special teams. He can play first line to fourth line interchangeably. I don't know what more you would want from somebody, especially from a fifth-round pick. Um, he, he has arguably the best shot on the team. I, you know, but I, I don't get him not being on the power play, even if you cut back his minutes in other places, which I don't think you need to do. But I would, I would definitely have him on the second power play. Um, and, and I think he may make Holtz expendable. I would have traded Holtz for, for Debrinkit. I think Holtz's ceiling is what Debrinkit is. And I'd rather have the, the known quantity. Um, said, I've literally tweeted and said the exact thing you just said multiple times. Because it's, like you said, take the guy you know that scored 40 goals. I'm right. not gonna, we're going to go down the Debrinkit rabbit hole again. But just in general... Uh, I, I always take the guy that you know has proven track record over a guy you hope becomes that guy. Well, we don't have to, like you said, we don't have to go down the Debrinket rabbit hole again. All I'm going to say is that he's got one goal in six games. So he's not making me miss him, and he's not making me rethink the fact that I don't care that we didn't acquire him. So Right. But yeah, the next I'm... guy that the Devils fans are all going to get their hopes up for, and I've already seen it a thousand times on Twitter, is Timo Meyer, And undoubtedly he's going to get traded somewhere at the deadline for barely anything. And then the devil's fans are going to go crazy that we could have matched that. You know how this, you know how this story plays out. I would have given up nothing for Max Pacioretty, even if we didn't get him back for four months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would be nice to have Meyer's going to be interesting. Um, Even if you forget about the obvious connection he has with, with Nico and and it would be nice to have him on his wing, his qualifying offers nine and a half million dollars, I think. So, you know, these guys, when they sign these bridge deals, these short-term deals, a lot of the part of the negotiation that we don't 
you know, keep in the front of our minds is what the qualifying offer is going to be at the end of the deal, which then in turn becomes the basis for a long-term contract. And nobody knows what the Sharks are. They're Besides the fact they're not good right now, they're still resisting rebuilding, but they might have to. Uh, yeah, I think they're, I think they've pretty much given up that fact that I think they know it's going to be a rebuild at this point. All right. So, I mean, how many teams out there are going to be able to handle nine and a half million dollars on a long term deal for somebody? I think that throws the devils into that discussion. And let, if we're going to talk about where we're trading Holtz, I mean, that would be a nice thing to send to San Jose in, in part of the Timo Meyer deal. Yeah, that's what I said. He played with Eklund. Him and Eklund grew up together. They played together. Yeah. So that could be the basis of something. I mean, yeah. I'm just not going to get my hopes up because every time there's a guy that like it makes perfect sense for the Devils to go after him, he ends up getting traded to the Rangers for like a sixth round pick and, and a goon or something. Yeah, well, we've seen um, with the Devils being very much in the conversation to acquire either Johnny Gaudreau or Matthew Kachuk that they're obviously looking for top end, top six talent. And Palat is not that. I'm not nothing against him. Obviously, he's played very well so far, and I really like him as a player. Um, they're not saying that they, oh, we didn't get Gaudreau, Kachuk, Pilat's good enough. So I still think they want to improve, and Timo Meyer would be a very nice place to go for that. I think he's yeah. the only one he's left not right now. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, which... I don't know what else is out there, honestly, unless it's, you know, one of these, like, Palmieri trades where, you know, no one was thinking, like, hey, we should go trade for Palmieri, and then he scores 30 goals. Uh, I don't know that, who's out there that would even fit that mold. Yeah, I don't think those trades exist right now, you know? Yeah, um, yeah you're right. A lot of I, I think, circumstance, though. Circumstance makes those trades happen. Yeah, and I also think with the cap going up, as much as it's going to go up, those players are not going to be available. Um, I, I think I, a lot. I could, see Meyer, I could see Meyer being available. Just I, I, Well, maybe. It depends on what they do with Hurdle and if they can clear someone someone is dumb enough to take Carlson. If they can clear some contracts, they might be able to keep them. It just depends on who they depend who they want to keep and who they don't. The the nice yeah. thing about Meyer also is Meyer's got some bite to him. He's not just you know where Debrinket is is going to be a scorer only. Meyer Meyer or check Meyer will play along the boards and give you sort of that Palat esque kind of uh, quality uh, and still be able to to fill the net. Well, and he has instant chemistry with Nico because yeah. they played together for a long time. And and Josh, you've listened to us, so you know. I mean, that's one of the reasons I didn't want want to break it. I mean, he's he would have been maybe the smallest guy on a very small team, and and while it would be great to think about him showing up and scoring forty goals, I really want to fill that hole with somebody who's got some size and actually plays a hard game to make sure that we don't get taken advantage of physically by Washington, by Philadelphia. So, I agree with that. I think sometimes we get caught up in the size thing. I mean. Gretzky was barely six feet. Uh, Iserman wasn't six feet. I think, I think, you know, I don't think Hughes is much different size wise than most of those guys. I mean, it's nice to have, you know, the six, two, six, three guys, but I think you look at that uh, Detroit line, sometimes too big is too big, you know, especially for. Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, one of the worst parts about playing the 11 and seven is every time Hughes was getting double shifted on the fourth line, he was getting the shit beat out right. of him by the other team. Um, so size is is a big deal, and if you've got, say, somebody like Timo Meyer on Hughes's wing, who's going to play a hard game, it opens up space for 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 Jack. So I'm not saying everybody on the team has to be six 
three, 200 pounds, but when you have almost none of them, um, you know, you can't have Bastion getting 15 minutes a night just because he's the only guy that's willing to play a rough game. And um, he did. That's what I'm saying. It makes no yeah. sense to me. I mean, if the- all right, this is this is the part of the uh, part of the episode where I'm gonna shit on Lindy Ruff because I cannot let an entire episode go without almost forty on minutes to, to for someone yeah. to go after Ruff. This is you guys are setting. Go ahead, records, Andrew. So. Finish fin- fin- finish your thought, and then I'll I'll go uh, I'll go in. I was sort of headed in that direction anyway by so saying if they lost last night, then all the issues still exist: the ice time distribution, the lineup choices, like. There's a re- and I wasn't just overreacting when they went down one nothing by saying that Lindy needs to go. I mean, just because they won last night and looked very well doing it doesn't make me want to have him as our coach for the rest of the season because they've played seven games and at least three of them they haven't been close losses. Like three of them, the team has come not prepared to play with very questionable lineup decisions, lines that make no sense. The the bingo ball, you know, the the bingo lines that. I always like to say the team sometimes plays like they all met each other that morning. That That's the kind of chemistry they have. So, no, please take over the rough conversation because I'm on board okay. with you. <laughs> all right. So the 11-7 and seven shit's got to go. It's it's Mickey Mouse shit seven games into the season. Yeah. I don't care what your reasons are. Play, play six defensemen and play 12 forwards. Enough of this shit. It's crazy. You have Zetterlin who played great last night. There's absolutely zero reason he shouldn't be in the lineup. I think he should be in the lineup even before Holtz because yep. he gives he gives you that dimension that Holtz can't give you and that we're sorely lacking. There were times where he was playing with Mercer Sharangovich last night, and they look great together. I, I don't understand what the hell this guy is thinking. Okay, sure, you wanted, you wanted to play a fast game. You cannot play 82 games with short of forward and have Jack Hughes and, and people double-shifting on the fourth line. This isn't peewee hockey where you play your best player freaking three three four minute shifts it's crazy enough of this i don't yeah. care that they've won the last couple of games you cannot sustain an entire season playing like this especially you when it has can't. nothing to do with injuries um it, yeah and when you have injuries i understand it but it's crazy to be doing this right now that's the thing the, the lineup decisions are ridiculous i think the one disappointing thing from ho- about hockey as a as a fan from a fan perspective is there's such little transparency on injuries and, you know, football, we know every person what grade strain they have of their hamstring. And I know a lot of it's tied up in betting. But, you know, we like you said, we're three days. It'll be three days before we figure out what Palat's injury might be. So I don't know if the 11-7 had to do with maybe they had a defenseman they were concerned about initially and then they liked some of the looks they had. Um, I just wish there was more transparency. I agree. I think they're a better team at at um, twelve and six. Uh, I think having four distinct lines that you can roll over, um, but he mixes and matches lines all the time during the game. So uh, yeah, he puts him into he puts him into the line shuffler, and he's like, all right, well, let's well, uh, let's go it, let's go with this. Let's go back to the Philly game. I mean, they spent the entire preseason with uh, Holtz on Jack's line and and Igor there and everything, and then all of a sudden. They released the lines for the Philly game. We're all like, what the fuck? And then and then uh, Ruff is forced to, in the first period, start juggling up the lines. Now, how does that not point to a coaching error that he's changing up his own lines in the first period of the first game of the year after 
already having jumbled them from what they were in the preseason. So, and I think I think the system, you know, people talk about it a lot, but you you've you've heard different players on the team kind of allude to that they don't quite understand the system at all times. And you know, it's your job as a coach to fit yours fit your roster into a system, not the other way around. Like yeah, just... I, you have to work with what you have and and make put them in the best position to be successful. I think a lot of the time our defensemen are out of position just because they don't know where they should be. Yeah, and then sometimes, though, like the Detroit and the Islanders game, they look like they could beat anybody, and I just don't really understand what's actually going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, when they show you their potential like that, especially a couple times in the span of a week, um, that's how they should be playing. And if they regress so much from the Sharks game to the Washington game back to the Detroit game, like it just screams like that just there's a coaching issue there. Um, but now the real test is going to come on Friday, welcoming the defending champs, Colorado Avalanche into town who won't have Gabe Landeskog for a while. Um, but, and I'm not saying they need to win, but they can't go out and lose five, two, five, one, whatever. You don't think Colorado is coming looking for revenge after they lost last year? No, <laughs> I don't think don't the think Devils are even had this game circled on his calendar after they uh, got embarrassed last year. Nothing I think the five straight to come back after they were down. No, I think the the Colorado Avalanche are going to be walking up the stairs to their plane, and half of them are going to say, "Where are we going?" <laughs> um, that's that's how I think that they're going to be going into Friday's game. Um, I saw but... um, Josh Norris is out for the year. Yeah. Yeah, is, that's that sucks for the Sens. Big problem for them, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, also, towards the, the longer end here, it goes without them signing to bring it, you know, if they they tank this year, you know, he might be on the market at the deadline. Sure, but you know, the other thing I was thinking last night while watching that game, not to get off topic, but everyone was picking Detroit to be this surprise team and make the playoffs. Am I crazy, or were you just not impressed by Detroit? I mean, it depends on what game you're talking about. They beat the shit out of us in our home. I wasn't really impressed in that game either. We had a lot of defensive breakdowns. I don't think they did anything like super special in that home opener. You know, it was, again, just a couple of really bad goals. And then it just kind of went south after that. But I just their roster just does not impress me at all. Well, it just speaks to the parity in the league because Ottawa was another team. The Devils are another team. Buffalo is another team that everybody says, oh, they could be good. And if you just watch the Devils, say you watch them – you know, the Caps game or that first Detroit game, you're going to think, oh, well, they suck again. But then if you watch the Islanders or the second Detroit game, you think, oh, shit, maybe they are good. So, well, yeah, sh- yes and no. But like even the games we lost, we handily outshot everybody. Um, so it's not like we got, you know, caved in in those games and got outshot 42 to 17 like we did to the Islanders. Like that's way more concerning to me if I'm an Islander fan getting absolutely run through getting outshot 42 to 17 and getting just your shit pushed in like that. At least they haven't had any games really like that. I mean, yeah, I think the flyer games, they got, they got manhandled and um, that was probably their worst game to me that they played all season. Yeah. That, that game Even more than the Washington game. Yeah. 
flyer game was a setup. You got Tortorella coming into a new situation, trying to prove a point. Oh, is he the coach? Is he yeah. coaching Philadelphia? You, you didn't, didn't you didn't pick that up yes. during that game? Oh, no, I didn't. Players. I didn't. <laughs> but uh, but I mean that that game was probably the best they were gonna play the entire season. Like uh, that was not a uh, that was I, and none of us picked up on it. But I think that was a very difficult game to win. I like Detroit. I think they did a great job building around their young guys this year. Um, and last night, not having Bertuzzi, I think, makes a difference because he's killed the Devils every time he's played them. Um, and there's somebody else out, too. Um, oh, Vrana, who played really well last weekend, too. They have a lot of size, yeah, a lot of little pieces. Yeah, they do. I just wasn't, like, super impressed by their um A guy like Andrew Cobb is, is, is a nice complimentary piece. David Perron, when he's on. I mean, David Perron would have been great for the Devils. Put him, stick him on the power play, and have them just feed him cross-ice passes and let him bury stuff. He can't because Tatar has to be on That's the power play. Point. It's like right there. Well, Verona's going to be gone for a while. Right. I think he's um, entering the player assistance program that the, that the Players Association has, so... Best of luck to him. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll hear this. <laughs> no, who cares? But um, no, you never want to, you know, you always want to say something like that. And it's good that the NHL has a program like that. Um, but I, I still, we don't know who this team is this, as far as the Devils go. We need to see some consistency. That's why I'm looking forward to Friday. And uh, what I'm looking forward to this weekend is putting up a fight against Colorado and then beating the Blue Jackets, I think, is the bare minimum best case scenario for me. Well, let me ask you this. We're, we're seven games in, right? Yeah. Are they better, worse, or about where you thought they would be this point in the season? Better. Blow, uh, if you're not thinking about just the fact that they're four and three, okay, I would obviously that five and two looks better, you know, four, two and one looks better. Having seen what they did to the Islanders, the uh, Detroit game, the great, uh, you know, defense of the 2-1 lead against the Sharks to win that game. Those three games are all things that they did not do last year. Um, so I see market improvements. We still need the power play to get better and we need a second power play unit that's better than what it is. The penalty kill looks good. Um Blackwood and Vanacek have both played well uh, enough to me for me to have some confidence in them. So I'm not over the moon, but I'm also not throwing in the towel thinking that we're still watching last year's team. What about you, Josh? I think you're going to learn a lot in the next 10 days. I think they're yeah. about where you thought they would. I think they're where, if you were cautiously optimistic, they're where you thought they would be. I was just looking at the roster. I mean, who, there's not really anybody... Last year, Tatar didn't score his first goal for like 20 games or whatever. There's nobody that you counted on that's having that kind of slump. You got Brat, who might be the best player in the league. Um, and you got you got other guys that are playing their roles perfectly. I mean, uh, you know, Miles Wood is back and doing exactly what you want him to do. And Jack and Nico are Jack and Nico. And, and I, think, I think they're playing as expected. Their defense is probably one of the top 10 uh, defensive groups in the league. And if they can keep and that just, up, yeah, I mean, what more do you want? And just wait until Jack actually starts scoring. I, I mean, forget it. It's going to come. I mean, the day is going to those chances start point. going in, forget it. Yeah, uh, and one a... thing, I want to go back. I want to go back. I forgot to mention this in my Lindy Ruff hate rant. <laughs> Jesper Bratt could never play 13 minutes a game. That is stupid and crazy. I don't care about special teams. 
you should never ever have a game where he plays less than Bastion and McLeod ever. Well, I don't care what the to, reason. You want me to devil's advocate that? Nope. <laughs> if you're beating somebody up pretty good and you got a chance to let Brat take a game where he catches his breath, you know, and you got a bunch of big games coming up, I don't have a problem with it. It's seven games into the season. So what? We're worrying about resting people seven it's, games. It's the in, kind of thing. It's the kind of thing where if they lost, I'd be screaming about it. Uh, well, he, they did. He lost. He played twelve minutes the other night too when they lost. Yeah, but I'm saying right now I don't. Is that care not that enough? Much. Is that not enough time? What the, What does that even mean? I think saying, you bank. I think you I don't, bank time. I mean, if you're if you need Brat to go, let's say they're in the game on Friday night and you're coming down to the third period and you need to double shift Brat. You know, maybe the fact that you didn't overextend them the last two games allows you to play him 22 minutes. And maybe you sneak yeah, out, 20, out a point out of, the, out, of the, out of the Well, he, he had two – listen, he had two goals and an assist. So I don't give a shit what his ice time was. He he played great. They won 6-2. to two. What I don't want to see is if they're down 2-1 in the third period on Friday and then you see McLeod and Bastion getting the majority of the ice time. Then you lose your shit about it. But after – you know, a win like that, and I know Lindy had said he was going to manage some ice time after giving Jack way too much. He, he mentioned Jack specifically on the 11 forwards double shifting. Um, I, I care a little less about managing ice time in, in a 6-2 win. So um, I'll be on board with you, like I said. If, if they're in a situation where they need a goal and Tatar and Bastion and McLeod are getting more ice time, but we haven't seen that yet. So, but sorry, Lindy gets Lindy gets no passes from me. Ever. I'm not giving him a pass. I don't like it either. Last night, what was the question? How many penalties? How many penalties? Last night? Because last you know, Brad's not. Brendan Smith penalties. was in the lineup, so you're guaranteed at least one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, look, they they've got a manageable schedule coming up. Just because I'm looking at it, Friday's tough, but then they have the Blue Jackets. They have the Vancouver Canucks, who are the biggest dumpster fire in the league right now. Then they have three very tough games at. The Oilers at the Flames, home against the Flames, but then back home against Ottawa, home against Arizona, at Montreal, at Toronto, who we don't know what they're like either yet, and then at Ottawa again. So they could rattle off a bunch of wins. I mean, the Leafs are four and three like the Devils, and those people are about to start trying to run Mitch Marner out of town again. So he could play for the Devils too. He'd make a nice. I was going to say, yeah, I got some place he can run to. I just want to send him like a DM on Twitter and be like, "Dude, you would be so appreciated here. Or like, why do you put up with this defense, shit?" Right? Isn't that his new thing? Is he plays on defense? So yeah, be the yeah new he was Nathan doing that. Geertsen. Slide him all the Marner. Way. I just remember Marner leading that team in points. Two years in a row, he had 94 points that one year. And just because he didn't, you know, have 10 points in the first round of the playoffs, they're trying to run him out of town. And I'm just like, buddy, we would never treat you like that here. <laughs> I mean, but, I'd, ha- I'd happily take Marner or Nylander. Yeah. Either well, listen, you need. I, I bring up the I bring up the Leafs every podcast just because I listen to so much hockey media that's Toronto centric because. You know, the Fan 590 or Sportsnet or, or all those podcasts you're going to hear mostly about the Leafs. But they're, they're in trouble over there because as much as everybody talks about you know, Tavares wanting to go home or Toronto being the best place to play, nobody took a discount to play there. Their cap situation is just fucked. And they can't that's, even get around you know, out of the first partially, round. That's partially Lou also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean yeah. do you think of Marner as an eleven million dollar a year player? I mean, if you score ninety four points, 
yes now, but when he signed that deal, no. Um, like that was what three years ago now? Yeah, yeah, and that's before the caps. He's still got three years at eleven. I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, between him, Matthews, and and Tavares, you're spending. Thirty million dollars, thirty-three, almost thirty-five. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like he signed that deal three years ago. I, I would I would say if he scores another ninety something points, he might be looking for eleven when he gets to free agency. But the fact that he got that eleven uh, three years ago yeah. um, is crazy to me. So they're they're in trouble, and uh, hopefully, hey, maybe we'll give him a nice place to play when he's out of Toronto. Um, <laughs> Uh, in his last year when he's got 100 points and the fans are still trying to run him out of town for some reason, we'll gladly take him. They can have Alex Holtz. Yeah. And um, Ryan Graves. Now let's, Graves. Yeah, and Ryan Graves. Yeah, they could have Graves. They could have Severson. They could have Holtz. Um, shit, they could have Mook Medulin at that point. Give them whoever they want. <laughs> I'll take a 94-point first-line right wing, please. Um all right, so just so we don't go all night on this, we, we like to do a little segment where we're going to ask you some questions to get to know you a little bit. Preparing and, for uh, weeks for this. Well, well, guess what? I came yeah. up with some new questions, questions today, just because I know you've been listening. Uh, <laughs> yep. So, Ricky, you get, you get started on those. All right, well, I'm going to ask both of you this question, because this will interest Andrew. If you were a bird, what kind of bird would you be? <laughs> That's a very Andrew-specific question. But say, uh, Josh, you go first. Me? If I were a bird, what kind? going bald eagle cool looking they fly really high they're fast they're loud and they're crazy predators so i'm going bald eagle you can't go wrong with the bald eagle great it's a great american answer um <laughs> go on nobody with, eats the bald eagle so no one's looking to eat you so it's not like you're a turkey that's or true. one of those kinds of things that's very true um now just because this is such an obsession and a hobby of mine uh i'm going with my answer is what i've observed and and like with like birding adventures, either <clears throat> a hawk because they've been my favorite thing I've seen and watched so far, or I've just my favorite bird I think right now is just a blue jay. Uh, the more I learn about them, um, speaking of Toronto centric, right? Fucking winged rats. Yeah, and the fact that Those it once smacked Ricky in the yeah <laughs> the fact that once smacked Ricky in the back of the head over the weekend bastard. when we were out. What um, a bastard! It was hilarious. Uh, it's not hilarious at all, dude. I, I hear. Because I taught Ricky when we were out there, I'm like, the thing you're going to notice the most today is once you realize what a, the sound a Blue Jay makes, you're going to realize that they are all over the place all day, every day, and they're really annoying. And by the end of the day, we're walking along this path of Blue Jay screams. Ricky's like, we get it. Shut up. And then five seconds later, I hear a fucker just hit me. <laughs> it, literally, it literally flew and smacked me in the head with its wing. It just continued to glide over our heads. Better than like, the beak, probably. I guess. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're poop. The, yeah, I'll take the take the wing, yeah. Well, they're part of the Corvid family. They got sharp beaks like uh, like crows, and uh, they hurt. All they right, before you. Andrew nerds out on birds too much, um, if you had to use a fake name, what would your fake name be? Like a first name or like a... Whatever. I wish I had time to think of a fake name. I mean, it's tough, it's tough to beat Ron Mexico. Ron Mexico was a great, uh, <laughs> a great fake name. Um, I'm trying. To, if, yeah, I guess if you're killing dogs, uh, no, that that part's not good. But you know, if you're trying to check <laughs> in the hotels for you know 
meeting lady <laughs> friends from Ron Nick. Yeah, it was that was Michael Vick. That was Michael Vick's uh, ultimate oh, Ron Jessica. Um, Shitty person. Great fake name. I think if I had to go with them, Andrew, do you have one? I would go Benedict Cumberbatch because that's there's no way that's a real nice. name. Nice. Um, I go with um, so a real estate deal I just closed a couple months ago. One of the attorneys' names was Rick Silver, and that is not a real name. Um, so <laughs> I'm going with Rick Silver. Um, that could that could be a poor name. That could be just a generic fake name. But like, just throwing out your hand, be like Rick Silver. Nice to meet you. Oddly enough, a friend of mine, we used to just sit around and make up fake names, and I always had a, one of my favorites was Calvin Franchez. I don't really know why, I just thought it was a funny name. Calvin Franchez. <laughs> Calvin Franchez, yeah. I don't know why, it was just always a funny name to me. My, my oldest oh my daughter's God. a big Impractical Jokers fan, so um, I enjoy the uh, skit they do where they basically have people come into the... Uh, uh, they come into an office expecting to get called in and they just read out fake names to see if they can crack each other up. It's a highly recommended. <laughs> All right. Next question. If you could travel to any time period backwards or forwards, where would you go? I'm a revolutionary war nerd or was. Really? So I would, I would, I would go back to then. I'd, I'd be, think it'd be really interesting to see, um, what's true and what's not true about how the country actually was formed. Andrew? That, that's an interesting reason for that. And I always, I'm a history guy too, but I also understand how miserable life was for everyone back in those times. So I'm a little hesitant to want to jump back there other than what you're talking about, the observations for, for what actually happened. Uh, for me, you said backwards or forwards. Well, I don't know. Forward would be interesting just to see where we're at, but we're not on a great trajectory. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go back to 2005. Um, I'm going to try a little harder in college. (laughs) I'm going to enjoy those times before I had to become an adult and pay bills. Uh, I wish I could do that all that over. I'm very happy where I am now, but yeah, it's one of those things where, like, if you knew then what you know now, you might have appreciated things a little bit more. Youth is wasted uh, on the young. That is correct. Ricky, what about yourself? I'm just obsessed with Vikings, and I know it's probably a really shitty life, but I just think it's so fascinating, so I'm going to be a Viking. All right. Uh, those are cool times. Good show on the History Network, History Channel. I watch, like, every Viking show, and they're big all f- pretty much the same, with just different, different accents. I was a big fan of Lagatha. Yeah, yep. um, Vikings. For uh, lots of reasons. The, the one, um, on, um, one on Netflix. Uh, what's his name? The terrible accent. Anyway, um, if you could hang out with any cartoon character, who would you choose and why? Ooh, that's a good one. Mine's Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck, without hesitation. He was the coolest. Thanks. See, I'm like an 80s cartoon person, so... Cartoon Mr. T was pretty cool back in the day. Probably <laughs> be entertaining. And he had his own cereal. I mean, it's tough to beat a guy with his own cereal. Um, I, I would have to go back to my favorite cartoon of all time, which was Super Friends. I would like to be part of the Justice League and kind of hang out with those guys and the you know their fortress and you know go save the world. Uh, kind of be oh, their uh, their uh, you know. Or their liege, I guess. 
For me, I'd have to go with Sterling Archer. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I might change my answer to He-Man. Oh, that's a good one, too. I might change my answer to He-Man, yeah. He-Man was pretty damn cool. Yeah, or G.I. Joe. Oh, He-Man man. For, uh... I'm, I'm not young. Battle Cat, Man of War. <laughs> I mean, it's all those. It was a good one. I have, I have a whole collection of He-Man Funko Pop sitting about 10 feet to my there right. Um, old man (laughs) shut up I also have some of the actual original figures too Uh, alright if you could have an animal sidekick what would it be and why animal sidekick like a real animal yep Uh, every time you walk in a room your little sidekick comes with you uh, I'd like to have a raccoon if I could have Rocket Raccoon, it'd be even better. But I'm, I'm big on the Trash Panda, so I think they're... Uh, them to, like, steal your food. Yeah, they're underappreciated, <laughs> you know? They could also distract people. They got the little hands. They can grab stuff. They make weird noises. <laughs> I think i on the Trash Pandas. They're good. Um, you can go places with them. You I, have some giant-ass, you know, animal. You can't go anywhere. Little Trash Panda, you put him in a stroller, people think he's cute. You know, it'd be a good, good, good day. Well, mine's going to be a giant-ass uh, animal. Uh, I would go with the Canadian lynx. Um, they are the most adorable, deadly creature on the planet. Um, big fan of them. Or like a snow leopard or a wolf, something like Wolf's that. A good one. But what about you? Yeah, what about you, Ricky? I think if we're talking about animal sidekick, they're obviously like friendly, like you're friends with them kind of thing. So I think like a big-ass grizzly bear would be cool as hell to just have as like a sidekick. That's how I die one day, a grizzly bear. I know that's going to happen to me. Oh, movie on that you guys should watch. You ever see that? Well, I was it grizzly. Was it grizzly yeah, man? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Well, I've had this conversation with with several people before that if I do see a bear out in the wild, I'm going to die, and it's going to be my fault because I'm going to approach Taking it. Pictures. <laughs> I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to approach it. Try to high five it. See if it'll give me its paw. And like try to cuddle with it. And I'm just putting this out there. Don't punish the bear. It is my fault, my stupidity, but I died doing something great. You should, you should watch Grizzly so. Man. That may dissuade you from that uh that idea to high five the bear. Well, I mean well, I mean, yes and no, because he lit like he lived with the bears and they didn't really bother Until. him. Like there's no footage of him actually dying. There's like audio of it though, isn't there? Yeah, allegedly. I think that was one of those things where they like did it to like, like the know, Blair Witch project. make people watch it. Like, yeah, like Blair Witch, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Yeah, where they're like, oh, there's this know. footage that we'll never share. I mean, I'd be the asshole that approaches a mother bear with cubs and talking to the mother bear like it's a human being. Like, do you mind if I pet your son? Um, <laughs> and I just get immediately murdered. Um, I got but, one more question because it's our favorite. Well, my favorite question. And then I'll let Andrew finish up here. Would you rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? For me, I've given a lot of thought to this question. I, I would, I would go the the horse-sized duck. At the end of the day, yeah. it's only got two legs and uh, the beak. And now, Andrew, are these uh, are these these have the special like pointy beaks, or are these just like normal beak birds? Depends on what duck you're talking about. I mean, if it's a, a mallard, then they're pretty friendly. If it's a wood duck, they're a little less friendly. Uh, a loon, much less friendly. It's up to you, no, man. I, I would, I would, I would personally, I would rather fight the uh, 
duck. I think, A, they probably taste better than the horse after you vanquish it and you, uh, you know, have a feast for everyone. And, and B, uh, you know, you jump on its back, you could kind of, you know, uh, wrangle it some way. But just, but just think of how fun it would be to, like, pick up one little horse, right? Like a little duck-sized horse and just use it to beat the other little horses like you could just beat them like bowling pins I mean, well, yeah but it's so got satisfying. extra appendages that it could attack you with and you know, it's, it's it's i think it's much more dangerous plus they bite ah. you have like a hundred little um, horses like biting your ankles and stuff like that i don't think that'd be cool i'd rather see one thing and attack it than have to worry about i agree with you and i bring that i always bring it back to the beginning of the lost world the second jurassic park movie one of those little dinosaurs may be cute but when you got a lot of them they team up they could do some damage um you know that little girl she got fucked up um, so i'm getting older but, i don't have the stamina to fight a hundred different little animals one i can focus on and my add won't kick in and you know i can deal with one I only have two questions I want to know your answers for. The first one is, is our classic number one question. What's your favorite movie? Uh, there is no... I don't think it exists that there's a favorite movie, but the movies that I know every word to, I would say, are The Godfather, Major League, and uh, A Few Good Men. Okay. Um, very good choices. And my last Never question... Seen the Godfather. Never seen the Godfather. I don't either. Uh, you don't understand the Godfather. No, no, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Just never watched the whole thing. I just and now I'm at the point where I just don't want to. Just it's because. worth watching. I've been told that more than a few times, especially because I'm Italian. And just people are. You've never seen the Godfather, Blah. dude. I I could just go see twenty of my cousins and I've and seen no, the Godfather. That's more, you know, that's more good fellas than the I Godfather. grew up. That's both. <laughs> it's both. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> um, last question before we get to your hot take. Uh, your death row meal. What is it? Death row meal. Oh, God. This one's a hard one. Um, if you're going to go out, like, I, you know, I don't think you want to be, like, over, you know, stuffed. I mean, I know you're still going out, but you still don't want that. Why not? You're going to shit your pants yeah, anyway. You don't want that uncomfortable <laughs> feeling. You want to be able to be relaxed, right? So I'm going to go with, uh, no, well, the Lido in Hackensack when I was a kid. I haven't been there since they've changed ownership. They had a sliced steak sandwich where they would put the sliced steak, butter on it on like thicker pieces of toast with butter on it. It was very healthy. With like these crispy onions <laughs> that were perfect. They weren't fried onions, but they were like sautés, caramel sautéed like caramelized onions. I'm in on that. Either that or just a shit ton of oysters. Like, there's a place on the Lower East Side called the Upstate, and they have these like oyster happy hours. And I would just go to town there for as many as I could do. You're trying to go out with a big old boner is what you're trying know, to say. But again, it relaxes you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But also, whether it's shit in your pants or going out, you know, like a flagpole, it's just for them to clean up. Uh, you know, it's not your problem anymore. Um, all right, Ricky, uh, ask the, the final. Uh, all right, so our last, our last segment here, the last take. Let's hear it. What's your number one hot take? Uh, um. 
Must not have been preparing that no, much. I have, no, this one, you know, I meant to ask my wife because she thinks I'm wrong in just about everything I say. So I figured she'd have some. Let's just be married. Yeah, I mean that's actually a good that's actually a good um, strategy. Like, because there's things that you like probably complain about that you don't even realize you complain about anymore. It's like, hey, honey, you know how you tell me I'm stupid all the time? What's the the top <laughs> reason? We would also for that? require her actually <laughs> not completely tuning me out, which I think is what happens most of the time. Oh yeah, my wife doesn't listen to goddamn thing I say. It's fine. So I, I would say my the thing that I think people find the most weird is uh I don't reheat leftovers. I prefer to eat them cold. Depends on what it is. Does, to me it doesn't. I, I will eat well, just I about mean... everything cold, leftover, out of the <laughs> fridge. I think it tastes better generally. And I don't, I don't like hot food or hot drinks. I mean, I drink coffee, but I don't like it really, really hot. Um, so for me, I prefer co- food colder than hotter. I agree with you on the drinks. I'm a cold coffee guy, and I don't drink tea. But and I'll eat pizza uh, cold, leftover, obviously. Yes. But yep, yeah, pasta I, cold is good. I like pasta cold. Yeah. As Italian guys, you uh... haven't lived until you have cold chicken cutlets. Right out. Of- oh, oh. I've had, uh, yeah, I've, I've had those that, a lot. That's the only way out. That's the only way I'll eat leftover chicken. Part of that is be because when be you reheated. reheat stuff, unless now with the air fryer, it's a little bit different. But yes. without an air fryer, with reheating stuff like microwave, you might as well. It's it's never as good as it was. Rubber. And, yep. Well, so the only rebuttal I have to that, and it's not really at home, it's at a restaurant, is for some reason when you go to a pizza place and they have those already made pies sitting on the counter and you ask for a slice, they throw it in the oven. For some reason, that always tastes way better when they throw it back in the oven. oven That I don't happen to have. Well, yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You can't do it at home. Not necessarily true because I have the Ninja. I'm going to give a Ninja a free plug here. The Ninja digital air fry oven. So it's like a toaster, but an air fryer. Oh, when you I do go, that too. When I go to the pizza, yeah. So when I go to the pizza place, I never have them heat it. We bring it home and put it in the air fryer. Air fryer for like three minutes on four hundred. It's unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, I, I five minute uh, crispy. Yeah, oh, we it's did. Ridiculous. We my my wife went to college in Maryland and uh, got hooked on Papa John's. So like one of our like. Oh. Uh, um, you know, guilty pleasures is every once in a while we'll get the Papa John's just for the garlic sauce, not because the pizza's any good. But the other day had leftover pepperoni and put it in the uh, air fryer like for three or four minutes. Oh, and it was as good as it was better than the original. So I'm with you on the pizza wow. heat up with the air fryer. Air fryer is a game changer, even though. I have yeah. I have two. I have two Ninja air fryers. Um, <laughs> and that's why I got to wrap this up because my wife's putting the London broil in the air fryer right now. Ooh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's just a big London broil. We put like a seasoning rub on it. Six minutes each side comes out perfect. Marinating? Um, London broil is tricky. Uh, yeah. So we do uh, McCormick makes a seasoning packet that's a black garlic parmesan. Ooh. Um, and we just tried it on a whim once and it's our favorite. So like London broil will do in the air fryer, but when we do like ribeyes and, uh, strip steaks or whatever, we usually sous vide them and then, uh, sear them on a cast iron. Um, he's very fancy, man. Yeah. London broil is tough to sous vide. It takes a really long time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go. Yeah. Try dude. Seriously. Try the air fryer. Um, 
Yeah, it'll take a little bit to perfect it. You have to make sure you get a piece of meat where the thickness is consistent throughout. Like if one size is really thick and the other's thin, then you're going to overcook one and undercook the other side. So, but anyway, we can we can talk about thick meat uh, another time. Um, yes, that's an off-air kind of discussion. But thank you very much for coming on. I'm, I'm glad we got to talk to you. Well, of course, and thank you for listening so much and, and always sending us notes. We really do appreciate that, and I, I look forward to, uh, we both look forward to having you back on uh, throughout the season. If anybody's, uh, you know, bored and looking for something to read, you can check out my articles on uh, Jersey Sporting News. I was literally just Sorry. about to plug yeah, that. I, you, I, so you know, I, no, it's, it's, as we get older, we try to find things to do. It's it's something that for me has become a passion thing, and I've really enjoyed it. And I put up usually two articles a week, um, so it's something I've I've enjoyed. So, and if anybody has feedback, um, I'm always open to it. And the fives of people that uh, read it, I'm very appreciative for. So, thank you all. Getting getting older, trying to find stuff to do is what I should put on a business <laughs> card for myself. Um, <laughs> Yeah, go go read his stuff, uh, and, and thanks again for for tuning in, everybody, and we'll, and we'll see you next time. Gavel, you guys out, and we're good. Thanks, fellas.